In the awkward dance of professional interactions, the key to a flourishing work relationship lies not in quick fixes, but in the art of weaving sincerity and respect into the very fabric of our connections. Beyond the confines of office walls, there is a rich tapestry of experiences and passions that define each of us. Recognizing that we are so much more than our job titles is the cornerstone of genuine rapport. In this final episode, we will cover the final and most crucial pillar of trust, building meaningful, lasting relationships in the workplace. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. Each week using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to that 90th percentile. Today, I'm joined by my co-host and renowned psychometrician and leadership expert, Joe Folkman. Hello, Bree. It's good to be here. Boy, we've reached the final pillar. Now, if we encourage you to <clears throat> we encourage you to listen to the last couple of episodes if you haven't already on the other two pillars before you listen to this one. Uh, we announced that we're doing a holiday sale on the Kindle version of the Trifecta of Trust for a whopping 99 cents. Is there anything you can get for 99 cents? <laughs> no, because the dollar store is now the dollar 25 store. So uh, yeah, that, that <laughs> <laughs> we should have charged a dollar 25. There you go. <laughs> and oh, by the way, the audio book was 299. Yes, and we want to put in a note that we apologize if you tried to get the audiobook for that price that we said a few weeks ago. There was something wrong. It was not that price, but now it is. There was a glitch in the system when they put the discount in. The developers finally figured it out, pushed it through to the retailer. So I promise it's now working. You can get it for two ninety nine. <laughs> well, you know, and the uh, the audiobook is my favorite because you can, you know, listen to the book while you exercise or walk or do yeah. something else. double tasking at its finest also we've made a free 10 page booklet uh, that goes over the three pillars and the information we've discussed on the podcast for uh, these last few weeks so if you want all this research handy you can go back to the link in the episode notes and download the book for free <laughs> so Marie, what's next relationships yes relationships um you know we we are in a weird place right now uh around the world these depression rates are soaring and people have talked a lot about this pandemic of loneliness is just sweeping across our communities astonishingly the number of people without a single close friend has quadrupled since the year 2000 do you know that yeah it's amazing and similarly, those with fewer than five friends are on the rise as well. And a third more people find themselves without a romantic partner um, compared to just two decades ago. Uh, another statistic, I mean, there's so many out there, but trust in our neighbors has halved in just two generations. It's a, a mere 30% now, which is down from 60%. This distrust is particularly prevalent among the younger generations when they're doing these surveys. They see that. And it's a reflection of this 
disheartening unreliability that they're experiencing in society today. Everywhere we are, there are individuals that are aching for connection. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be acknowledged, recognized. And while we don't have power, you talked about this in the book, we don't have power to transform the whole world. We can revolutionize our own. We can change our sphere of people and those who are needing to have some connection. That can start at work. So let's talk about how we can rewrite this narrative of trust and starting in our own professional circles. When we consider which of the three pillars was most critical, I intuitively thought that demonstrating consistency would be the most important. Saying one thing and doing another, is, that, that would really hurt trust. And I, I just thought that'd be the number one. Did you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, surprisingly, it was relationships. And uh, it had the most substantial impact. Well, we created an experiment uh, where we separated leaders into high and low levels on each of the three pillars. And then we measured the level of trust. When relationships were low and both judgment and consistency were high, trust went down 33 points. So perhaps the reason that relationships have more impact and consistency and, and uh, expertise is that everyone appears a little bit inconsistent and, you know, some of us lack expertise. We can't be experts in everything. Once a relationship is damaged or if it is never created, it is difficult for people to have trust. If people don't like you, it doesn't matter how consistent you are or how much of an expert in the field you are, they don't like you, they probably are not going to trust you. And as people talk to me about trust and they say, I have a problem, the first place I tell them to look is relationships. Is there something you could do to improve the relationship? Yeah, it's interesting. So like we've done the last few weeks, we're going to look at the behaviors that are linked to this pillar of trust, relationship building that can help someone to build or repair that trust. The very first one that you brought up in the book is coach and develop others. And I, and I, I love that, that it's the, it's the first thing you can think of, like, how can I better this relationship at work? Think about coaching and development. And if you think about someone who has brought you under their wing, coached you, mentored you and helped you develop, how do you feel about that person? They're a rock star to you. They are someone you look up to. When a leader takes the time and invests it in someone's development, you demonstrate your belief in their potential and your commitment to their success. This is an act of generosity and, and support, and it has this profound impact and, and fosters this sense of gratitude, loyalty, and trust. What people are willing to do for that leader is incredible. And you've seen that as you study discretionary effort. They're willing to give so much more when they trust that leader. A good example kind of of this mentor relationship um, with familiar people that we all might know is, is former Intel CEO Andy Grove and his protege Steve Jobs. Uh, Grove was known for his mentorship of Silicon Valley luminaries 
and he recognized Job's early brilliance. He provided him with this invaluable guidance and support as he went through these big business decisions. And their partnership was instrumental in shaping Job's career and even Apple itself. And a study by Gallup found that employees who feel their manager invests in their development are six times more likely to be engaged in their work. So coaching and development are not just about imparting knowledge or skills. They're about creating this space for growth, connection, and establishing that mutual respect. It's such an interesting thing, and it's an easy thing to do if you think about, gee, how do I build a relationship? I, I help somebody learn something. I'm coaching someone. Yeah. It really does make a difference. Uh, the next uh, one of the strength builders was inspiring others. Inspiration isn't about empty platitudes or lofty promises. It's about igniting a spark within individuals, empowering them to believe in their potential and contribute meaningfully to a shared vision. A study by the American Management Association found that 71% of employees who trusted their leaders are more likely to be engaged in their work and 67% are more likely to perform at a higher level. When leaders inspire, they tap into the intrinsic motivations for their team members, creating an environment where individuals feel valued, respected, and eager to contribute their best. This, in turn, cultivates a sense of ownership and engagement, fostering a collaborative environment where trust thrives. Inspiring isn't just about big gestures. It comes from small acts. I remember several years ago, I, I worked uh, in a volunteer organization, and my direct manager was a man named Larry Johnson. Now, Larry would meet with me, me monthly, and we'd have these meetings. And typically, before I went to the meeting, I would make a list of things that Larry could do for me. <laughs> right? Here's what you can do for me, Larry. <laughs> So I'd go to the meeting and I'd sit down and Larry, as soon as I sat down, he'd look at me and he'd say, how are you doing? How's your family? What's going on in your life? And you could tell he really cared. I mean, and he, he, he was such a nice man and he, but he had twice as much to do as I did. And so, you know, after that, I never gave him my list because he, you know, inspired me. He made me feel special. He created that relationship. So it was the, the combination of a great relationship, but somebody who really made a difference in the world. And that's Larry. Yeah, I love that. Because it is this foundation of these kind of small, you know, consistent actions that we take that make the biggest difference in, in, in a bond between people. And another crucial aspect of building trust within relationships, especially in the leadership context, is the ability to prioritize cooperation over competition. And that was the third behavior that you saw that was linked to building relationships. So I think this, this is interesting. If you look at Western society, we emphasize independence a lot. You know, we value individual work and success and you know, you take the responsibility, but you also take the failure. And the modern workforce, 
that we see now is becoming more and more team oriented, which is so great. And this shift sometimes inadvertently encourages competition between teams in the organization. So not so much against people as it is like, oh, I can't stand the sales team or slacking or customer service or whatever it is that sometimes you see teams being put against each other. But this competition instead of collaboration can really hurt trust. Ask yourself, do you want the people around you to succeed on your team and on other teams? Are you looking out for them? Are we happy for the successes of those around us? That's something that I, you know, I have young kids and I teach them a lot. It's that hard human nature feeling that we have if somebody gets something and you don't and and you you're jealous of but you're like I need to be happy for them but I'm not <laughs> that we all have to kind of learn and that's a big part of that collaboration versus competition. Effective leaders are able to counteract this by fostering unity and trust within their teams. Their teams are strong. And they do this by acknowledging and crediting the contribution of others. My boss is so incredibly good at this. I mean, there are so many times whenever a compliment is made, she says the team member that did the thing. She doesn't take credit. It's just like, well, you should acknowledge this person. She's just so amazing at that. And it really makes a difference. They openly share knowledge. They're actively seeking out opportunities to support their team members. And these leaders look beyond their personal achievements and they focus on collective success where everybody wins. You know, that competition starts with schooling. Yeah. We feel like we're in competing with others. And, and now I think a lot of schools are, are, you know, emphasizing cooperation. So that's a good thing to have happen. Well, the last and final behavior in the, that helps a person build relationships is asking for feedback. Now, I've studied this a lot. And what's interesting about asking for feedback, if we look at this by age, mm-hmm. young people ask for feedback often, <laughs> right? Yeah. But if you look at it by age, every year you get older, that goes down. I mean, it, it, and and so at a young age, people are anxious to get feedback, but as people, and it doesn't take them long to sort of turn off the spigot. Most people believe that they're good judges and they can discern whether others trust or distrust them. They did a study with uh, using people's own self ratings to measure their ability to predict trust. In essence, this study revealed that some people imagine they're very trusted when in fact they are not. Additionally, others fear they're not trusted when they are. We humans are generally not good at discerning whether other people trust us or distrust us. The only way for you to get a good read on your level of trust is to be more open and ask for feedback. People who resist feedback are less trusted But those who are better at asking for feedback are significantly more trusted. And that makes you more effective leader also. Put it simply, being more open to feedback and making the habit of asking for feedback can in itself build a lot of trust from others. Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning. Let's think about this from a leader's perspective. If, if I'm a boss and I'm going to go 
to my direct reports and I'm going to ask them for feedback on trust, it's possible that many people are going to tell me what they think they want me to hear, right? Like if you went to someone, you were like, am I trusted? The reply that you might get since you are the boss, (laughs) the boss of the boss, People might say to you, absolutely, of course, everyone trusts you. So how do people handle that, the, the, their bubble? How do you pop the bubble? Yeah. So, Bria, I was wondering, do you trust absolutely. me? Absolutely. <laughs> everyone trusts yeah. you. Like she said, you know, you might not. <laughs> well, it depends on the situation. You know, it's true. And so as you think about how to get that feedback, get a good estimate of whether you're trusted or not, what we'd recommend is if you ask whether you trust me, ask what could I do that would help people have greater trust in me? Oh, that's a good question. Or another, oh yeah. Uh, Or another question might be, are there any actions I've done in the past that caused people to distrust Mm, me? That's good. Right? And so, and, and so it's like saying, you know, what could I do better or what could, enha- you know, enhance the trust that others have in me? Mm-hmm. Starting with the assumption that others probably do not have as much trust in you as you think they do. And so that can help uncover the potential problem. This research strongly points to the positive relationships being the number one biggest factor influencing how much others trust you. Improving relationships with others can have a strong positive impact on how much you are trusted. But in addition, it will make your life generally better. Boy, it's it's great to have more friends, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And we need it. I was talking to a friend the other day and, and, and I had listened to something, but they talked about how we talk to people a lot. We ask about the weather, we ask about we talk about news or TV shows. But a lot of times we're not really asking about the person. Like you talked about Larry asking, how are you? And and you felt like he really wanted to know the answer. That that was a safe space where you could be like, actually, I'm not I'm not great right now. I'm feeling really overwhelmed. And and sometimes in our lives and especially at work, we talk, talk, talk about work so much and we we're not really getting to know the people there. And how how are they? Are they okay? And so focusing on relationships and really getting to know each other, being willing to take your relationship to a deeper level. We've built this barrier and we've built it to separate work and life. And maybe the separation doesn't really need to be that big. The insights we share today aren't just theoretical concepts. These are actionable steps that each one of us can take to foster a culture of trust. Brene Brown said, uh, trust is built in the very small moments. So let's commit to making those moments count, to being leaders who can inspire, develop, coach, um, be collaborative, and being the ones who ask for and act on feedback. Remember, the trifecta of trust isn't just a concept. It's a blueprint for creating meaningful connections and a thriving workplace. So we hope you take the time to download the ebook, send it to your coworkers and friends, and even you could do us a wonderful favor and share this podcast if you liked it today. So thanks for listening to the 90th percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zanger Folkman. And until next time.
The 90th Percentile and Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corrin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com. Great. Do you remember our catchphrase for trust that came from the Beatles? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> All you need, All is, you trust. need is trust. trust. Let's do it again. One, two, three. All you need, All you need is trust. trust. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs>